Welcome to the Mode Knit Yarn Podcast. In each episode, Annie Modisette, that's me, or Kathleen Piscuzzi, or both of us, will chat with some cool person from the fiber world. Someone you may have heard of, or perhaps just someone down the street who we think you'd enjoy meeting. Our sixth podcast is with a wonderful crocheter, voice teacher, singer, and designer, Dora Ornstein. Dora's an amazingly interesting woman, as befits someone who spent a great deal of their life on the splendid Upper West Side of New York. Dora and I discuss social justice, living in New York, the burden of perfectionism, and the joy of crochet. Dora started the influential website Crochet Insider, where you can find information on her patterns, classes, blog, and even a video of Dora performing as a soloist with the Philip Glass Ensemble. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I teach at a very small school. You know I teach, right? I didn't know that. I'm a voice teacher. Oh, how nice. Oh, that's excellent. I'm a voice teacher forever. Oh, that's excellent. But I'm, you know, I'm just an adjunct. I go out twice a week, and I just do the lessons. Seriously, these days, who isn't an adjunct? I swear. It's just like, you know. Are you? No, I'm not. You should be. I could be, but I'm not. You should be. College is a nice gig. I would love, I mean, that's why I got my master's, because I was hoping somebody, but it hasn't really panned out that way. Yeah. I need to be at home a lot. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Uh-huh. But anyway. So you're here at Interweave. Yes. My Is your first time teaching time. here? Yeah. Are but, you teaching or are you having a Oh, yeah. A no, I'm teaching oh, at a Yeah. Oh, Doing both. Awesome. That's Doing great. both. Excellent. You're teaching. I'm just teaching. I'm teaching a lot, as you saw. I didn't I saw. I didn't realize I was teaching more than most people. Well. But I'm happy. It's nice to be in demand. Right? Yeah. This is the first time I said to them, I'm only going to teach four classes. Oh, good. Because, mm-hmm. you know. You had other shit you wanted to get done. Well, between the, the, that and the booth, it really wears course, you out. Yeah. And you know how teaching is. I, I'll know. tell you, I've been doing VK Live for a few years. They're supposed to be doing one in Min- in Minnesota. If you do come to Minnesota, yeah, it would be great to see you. Yeah. And then we'll, you know, there are, I think there are more yarn shops in Minnesota like per, per capita than anywhere else in America. Wow. It's really great. That's, you know, because I went there to teach mm-hmm. and I fell in love with it and that's why I ended up moving there. Oh, that was right. that was nine years ago, almost ten wow. years ago. Yeah. So, um, if you come to Minnesota, I will be sure to show you a good time. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I, I, love, I love my adopted Twin Cities very much. That's it's great. really great. That's great. I mean, I used to come, I was, you know, in this very well-known music group for a long time and we used to come all the time. That was one of our main, I did, Where's the Walker Art Center? It's in it's in yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, I did a whole solo show there. Really? Yeah, the Walker is very la di da. I was for the while there. I was a sort of a la di da type of person. I know you were soprano. You know. So anyway, so you know, unfortunately, that was so many decades ago. I don't have too many contacts anymore. I can't figure out where this happens. You know, like what? Yeah. Like it's like one day you're doing this, and then it's like you know, fifteen years ago. Fifteen years ago. <laughs> you know, I, I find myself doing that all the time, and I'm yeah. I'm feeling like it's going by too fast. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so how are you? How's the family? How's the well? I don't know? have a family. Well, um, I have my sister and my nephews in New York. That's and a family. Fine. They're they're all very well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, between this te- teaching at my college gig and doing this, which college is it? It's Wagner College, which has a Wagner. very well known uh, music theater department. I uh, assisted. Um, on an opera there. Did you? I did. It was 20 years ago. Yeah. And it was the funniest opera. It was this Baroque opera. 
And it was, I just remember there was a character who was a stuttering hunchback. Wow. It was just the most and delightful. And what did you do? I just assisted the costume designer. Oh, my. So I, like, build costumes and Wow. They still fittings. do amazing yes. um, productions yes. there. I was very impressed, very yeah. impressed. And I also did something with the Mana School of Music when I was there. Oh, Manus is awesome. Yeah, yeah. with their operas. I so, love, love opera singers. Well, we don't do much opera these days. It's mainly mm-hmm. music theater. The, the music theater department is separate from the music department. Okay. I'm employed by the music department, but we have nobody in our department. We just have right. some choirs. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a tiny little, you know. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I really wasn't a music theater person at all. My, my parents were European, so I didn't get brought up in that stuff. Right. I was like playing piano. And exactly. I like rock and roll, but I was never a big theater, you know, me, like. Where, where are your parents from? My mom is Belgian, and my father was German. And oh my. they both fled, you know, in time to get right. out. Oh, thank God. And they met here. Very nice. So I'm first generation. And Excellent. Stopped, and, they, and they lived in New York. You were raised in yes, New York. Yes, yes. My whole, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles and, <sighs> you know, big, big family all and, came. And, and, you know, so I always, then when the war was always part of my life, but right. luckily they didn't lose that many Well, people. you know what? They were smart enough. Like, exactly. I don't want to say smart enough because that implies no, other people were. Right. But, but, you know, I've they, had, they could I read had the friends signs. who were... You know, the parents were in Auschwitz, and that's yeah. like you don't want to, you know, you don't be that kid. That's such no. a tough one. So, but it's funny because when I say to my young students, my you know, eighteen, nineteen year olds, and my parents fled the Nazis, they they can't fathom that that you know how that that was that's within a within lifetime. Memory, yeah, I exactly. Know. I know. You know? Well, so I make sure and tell them. Well, did did your mother have you like later in life, or were no, you? No, no, she was only eighteen. Oh my. She lived there. Oh my! Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you still have any family or any contact at all? With you know, so they all left. But the interesting thing was, my one of my aunts moved back there with her American husband, who was mm-hmm. ten years younger. So my mom's oh my. generation, they're all gone because right. she was about to turn a hundred if she was still alive. Exactly. So you my know, mother, my they lived also, to their yeah. late eighties, nineties. Which was wonderful. Yes. So they're mostly gone. But this younger husband, so she, Ruth and Harvey, my aunt and uncle, mm-hmm. were the the total, like, we were the only artists in the family. And they were there before me. Like, yeah. they were theater people. They were very right. bohemian. They, they, they paid the path for you. They never thought about money. Yeah. And they were very idealistic. So yeah. Ruth went back, brought Harvey with. And she died about four years ago. Uh-huh. And Harvey's been living. He's an American guy. Yeah. And he's now 80 this big six foot, you know, yeah. Marine guy. But actually, he's thinking about coming back now because of all the problems. He actually yeah. got attacked coming out of a Jewish store. And he's not religious at all. Right, right, right. But you know, his, his Jewish identity means yes, something of course. to him. I call myself Jew adjacent. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> so that's amazing. And I, he would never have done it. But um, got attacked by whom? Some kids. Just now, some kids. when he tells the story about him hitting them back and them leaving them, you know, he's not exactly a. Li- I don't. He's not at all a liar, but I'm not, can't quite picture it because he, the guy can hardly. He's big, but he can hardly walk. Well, but anyway, I'm, I'm it, sure was scary, mind, it was scary. It was scary. Yeah, yeah. and um, also the other part of that story is um, that he has no money, but he has some a, a woman, an old friend here, who has a place for him that she can come. And you said he was in the Marines. So no, he was oh, an okay. art. He was a artist. he was an artist. He married my aunt, so he's my last relative over there. Yeah, and it's kind of sad to have no, you know, to feel like the Jews left before and now they have to leave again. It's you know, you know it's it's something that is not publicized as much as it yeah, should be. That there is so yeah. much. 
And you there's know, there's so much anti-Semitism in America that people don't talk about, yeah. but it's huge in Europe, and people. People were so upset about Charlie Hebdo and all that stuff, and I was too. It's like, you know, that yeah, shouldn't have yeah, happened. Yeah. But then if you go back and look at their artwork, so much of it is anti-Jewish also. And it's like, yeah, you're really yeah. torn at that point. But they're not <clears> usually <throat> as nasty to the Jews as they are. Too, no, not from usually. From what I hear. They, they like immigrants less than the Jews. So. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I am envious of... I'm envious of anyone who grew up in New York. I'm envious of my husband. He grew up... He was born in the Bronx, but he was raised on Long Island. Uh-huh. Um, his, I'm from Queens. Really? Yeah. His brother lives in Queens. Me Jerry Seinfeld. Yes. <laughs> my mother-in-law and father-in-law are both from Brooklyn. Ah. Benson uh-huh. Heist. And yeah. actually, Carroll Gardens was where my father-in-law was from. Um, and then Canarsie. They uh-huh. moved. But um, um, when I was a kid and I watched TV, all I wanted to do was move to New York. Oh. All I and where did to you do. grow up? I grew up in Toledo, Ohio, oh. which is horrible. Oh, <laughs> it's just, it's just awful. <laughs> it's just. My parents were like, there is a huge migration of um, Appalachians who moved up from West Virginia up to this industrial cities in Ohio, and so I was part of that, mm-hmm. you know, move, yeah. and it was. Just, but but you felt that way as a kid that you didn't like it. Oh, then? I hated Toledo. I hated it. Oh. I hated it so much. Oh. It was a very, it, it was a dismal place. There was nothing to do. There was a very good art museum and a good zoo. But mm-hmm. aside from that, the schools were lackluster. There wasn't a lot of after school activities. Mm. It was just not mm. great. And you're such a creative kid, so you must have been a very creative kid. Yeah, I, yeah, and I, and I ended up like I, I did plays and stuff at the mm. local university because mm-hmm. I you know even though I was in high school I went and did plays and stuff. But I couldn't wait to leave. Uh-huh. And, and, and you I, did. I did. I Where'd left. you go to college? I went to Denison. Where's it's that? a little cent- it's, it's in central Ohio. It's a little, you know, liberal arts college. And then right from there, I went to New York. And I worked at PBS. I was an intern oh. at Channel 13. Oh. And then after the internship was over, they, they kept me on, and I worked there for a while. I didn't know that. Yeah, I loved it. I really loved it. Oh. Do you remember the Dial magazine? I don't. It was like the it was like the magazine of public broadcasting. Mm-hmm. So I worked there mm-hmm. for a bit. And, As a writer? Know, or? No, no, doing magazine production. Oh, nothing, good. nothing too right, right, right. exciting. Right. And then that funding was cut for the Dial magazine, and my boss, who was a wonderful, wonderful person, um, got me an interview for a job over at Time Incorporated. So I worked there for a while, and that was a great company to work for. Mm-hmm. And then while I was working at Time Inc., they transferred me to Texas. I was in which I didn't like, but I was in Texas. Um, working at a printing plant, and that's where I taught myself to knit. Uh-huh. So when I got fed up with my job and fed up with Texas, I quit my job and I moved back to New York, and, and I knitted for a living then. Wow, wow. And that was in the 80s. So. And that's when I was doing Philip Glass Ensemble. My big really? Mm-hmm. I love yeah, Philip in Glass. The 80s, in the 80s. I did oh, that for how... 10 years. I was the solo singer of his group. Oh, my God, that is so yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. I you probably saw you. On YouTube, if you do YouTube my name with Soprano, you'll see. Oh, my goodness. But I have to tell you an interesting thing. So I only did crochet. I didn't. I didn't. I, I know my mom was completely not into any of this stuff. Right. She was not very domestic. Right. Because when she grew up, they had maids. Oh yeah. You know, and yeah. they weren't wealthy, but they were bourgeois. Yeah. You know, they had yeah. a house and they had maids. And, yeah. And um, so I knew nothing. When I was nineteen, I ran away. I was at Barnard. I but I was crazy hippie, or I became a crazy hippie. Right. And I ended up in in Amsterdam. And I bought a little houseboat oh for $120. Oh, my God. I had a Dutch boyfriend who was much older than me. And I somehow picked up a hook and crocheted a little. 
And actually, had no, I never had any artistic, like, drawing talent or right. anything. I was very musical, but I wasn't somebody who Visual could draw in that way. All, yeah. Right? But somehow, with the crochet, it just seemed like, oh, and I, I met, you know, it was all very crafty. Yeah. And I met some weaver, and she laid all these amazing colors on me, and I was just... Start to make some garments. I don't know oh, how, without knowing anything, right? And at that point, I even remember two things I made. I immediately sold in a fancy boutique on on the street, you know. Right, right, right. And I was like, but then, you know, eventually I straightened out, went back to school, finished yeah. school, became a musician. I did not pick up the hook once after that time. I did not pick up the hook. I completely, you know, just... And the Dutch totally boyfriend was involved, long gone. Long gone. Okay. Totally involved with, you know, being right. a singer and learning. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I had a lot of musical back. I'm sorry if I'm going on too long. Or is this the kind of I stuff you want to hear? I love this. So I had, I had all this musical background, and I could read, I could sight sing, but I didn't really take lessons until I was 22 to really? how to sing. Yeah. I sang in choirs, and I played right, guitar. Right, but you hadn't had, like, music theory. I didn't have, like, a look. No, I knew yeah. all the theory, but I didn't have a sound, like a singer's sound. Okay. But I had strong reading chops. So nice. I had, um, I was able to start work in singing, you know, even quite young, just, like, you know, because there's so much going on in New York, like, little choirs, yes. little yes. groups. And so I was sort of gone into, like, new music and old music. Very nice. And I did a lot of that. And then over the years, I did develop some kind of a sound and, right. you know, did a lot of, you know, once glass thing happened, um, that put me on the map. That's huge. I was like 30. Oh, that's You know, huge. so that kind of put me on the map and then from yeah. that I was able to spin off and have my own solo show which was called Urban Diva and I commissioned all these works and at that time you could raise money from NEA. Right. And New York. That must have been free Reagan. It was. And it was <laughs> for that show... Yes, Ugh. yes, and all that Mapplethorpe stuff, yes. you know, that happened. Um, for that show, Urban Diva, I raised $120,000, out of which I paid composers, paid That's musicians, fabulous. paid a costume director, right, right, right. and developed this thing, and then did it all over the world, you know, and all, you know, I wouldn't say I had like a million performances, but a whole bunch, and a recording. More than 99% of the rest of the human race. Yeah, 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 no, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm actually very, now when I look back, I'm glad yeah. I didn't, I, I mean... I was always meant to be a musician, and it's funny when I now. So then, when I was in my fifties, right? Mm -hmm. Then by then I wasn't seeing, wasn't performing so much anymore. Right. I had some problems with my voice, and it took me a long time to figure out. And you know, but then I, by then I was doing more teaching, and you know, right. you get in that point. It's like not such call for aging singers anyway, yeah. and I was sick of practicing. There's so many young ones. So someone in, somewhere in that time, I thought, oh, what about doing some crochet? And I picked up the hook again, and there were still no books around. It was like 2003. It was yeah. like practically nothing. Yes. I had to dig shit off of eBay, you know. Exactly. And study knitting books, even though it just, how do, how do you do this? Exactly. You know? And at that time, so in that time, my friend, girlfriend, was an avid knitter. And she said, let's go to a conference. And guess who I took a class with? Who? With me? Yes. Oh and my goodness. It was a knitting class. You're kidding it me. It was a combination knitting and class. And you still don't knit, so. Well, and so much I was, for me. but you were, no, you were so amazing that I was doing cables in that class. Oh. I was doing that cab cables. And I remember saying, saying to my friend, she's a total nutcase, but she's really brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Thank now, you. I I'll hope have you that, don't mind me saying no, that. No, I'm going to But have I, remember, that on my, I remember you had this whole thing about that. Don't talk to me while I'm talking. You just laid out all the rules. I have rules. the rules. I have the rules. And I love that. And you I know, do that too. A lot of people love the rules and some people don't. don't. Right. And right, the right. people who don't let me know. So, 
generally in a blog post later. <laughs> but you know what? As a teacher, you need to have absolutely. You need to have the rules, and even if you don't, even if your rule is that you don't have rules, mm-hmm. you know, yes, even if you're yes, open yes. in that way, which I, I admire. But for myself, I have I've always had focus problems, mm-hmm. like. Um, I don't know what it is, and who knows at this point if if I were to be tested, I'd probably be ADHD or something. Mm-hmm. My daughter is, mm-hmm. you know, and my son isn't. Can I but... offer you some water? Oh no, I just I had a cup of tea and a glass of water before I, I came up here, and I had a gin and tonic. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I went to the uh, you know they have the manager's reception uh-huh. downstairs, um, and. So they do breakfast in the morning, and then in the evening from 5.30 to 7.30, you can go to the manager's reception and get drinks, Right. and you can get yourself, you know, cheese or whatever. Yeah, it's nice. Mm -hmm. And that does me for dinner, because I usually don't eat a big dinner at all. You know, I have Mm -hmm. a nice breakfast, and I don't like to eat lunch when I'm teaching, because I don't like to burp in class. It's always humiliating. (laughs) But I want to just go back. So I love that class, and it did make me want to knit. And then what happened? So, yeah, I'll just tell the rest of my crochet story. Yes, please. I didn't, you know, I was, I guess I went to a CGOA conference, and I was taking, and I had made a few things. Uh-huh. getting back into it. Things for myself, little cute little tops. Your sweater, by the way, is gorgeous. Thank you. I love that. Thank you. Is that Art Yarns? This is Madeline Tosh. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's yeah. really nice. Yeah, thank you. Very it's nice. Tunisian. Yes, it's gorgeous. Thanks. So, um, I went to a class. It was a Prudence Mapstone class. Nice. How exciting. And I was like, I guess I was the first person there, and this kindly-looking lady comes into the room, and she says, older lady with a cane, she says, what a pretty top you have on. You ever thought of making money out of your crochet? I said, well, yeah, but it takes me so long to do it, I can't imagine how. She said, well, have you ever thought of publishing? So you know who this was? Jean Leinhauser. Oh, my goodness. So she mentored me and she taught me so everything wonderful. and she and bought like five or six things from me at that conference and it was the same conference where they met Doris Chan, Vashti Braha, <gasps> Tammy who was already doing a little mm-hmm. bit of, um, had been doing but had been doing mostly like, you know, Afghan stuff right, right, right. and from that time she really started to go on the fashion right, the garments, thing. yeah. And so they were amazing, oh. you know, mentors and oh, I got pretty close to Jean, I, I mean, you know, yeah. Jean was a single woman, mm-hmm. professional woman, mm-hmm. never married, you mm-hmm. know, ahead of her time. Right. Very interesting, you know. So we had a bond. We had a bond. I went yes. to visit her. I hung out at her amazing house. I raided her bookshelf. I read every, oh, you know. Yeah. She was teaching me how to write pat, you know. So yeah. it was, we really had, and I, you know, I miss her. I miss her. I miss her. Yeah. But, uh, and Rena, and Rena, I really understood because she was a real New Yorker. I don't yeah. know how well you know Rena. Not well. But she's a little controversial for reasons we won't go into. Okay. Um, we can have that so discussion another <laughs> time. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. But uh, but uh, what, did I want, what did I want to say about all that? Um, you started writing yeah, the so patterns. She, you know, she brought me into the business, and it was a, a great introduction. Where to was me. the first place she published? In her books. Nice. Yeah, she she and Rita were working on two or three books right then. Yeah. You know, they were book packagers. That's what they did. They oh, came yeah. up with a concept, yeah, yeah. and then they sold it to a lot of different people. Right. But Jean had published for many, many they were the founders she was the founder of leisure arts right and rita also had a was dover right right you know so they had this amazing track record yeah. and then they when they got a little older they said well we'll just do the same thing but sell the ideas to other people right 
And that's how that worked. That's nice. So that's it was like a, a book like a hundred of the best, this and that, you know, yeah. the, the not your grannies, you know, it was that, yeah, that yeah, era, yeah. that era. So, um, wow. yeah. So that was an, you know, that was really amazing. And now when I think, what would it have been like? You know, it's interesting for me to see the young, much younger people in the industry and who stay in it. And, yeah. I, you know, part of me is very glad that that isn't the industry that I was in all my life. Exactly. Because... Yeah. <clears throat> somebody with my kinds of ambitions and drives, mm-hmm. I think there was, you know, this is, can be limiting. It can be limiting, and it can be incredibly frustrating, and sometimes it, you feel like it chews you up and spits you out, and yeah, you I just don't know. Like sometimes you just don't know. You know, like a magazine will change an editor, and maybe the editor doesn't like you for some reason, or... And that's it. You know, right, and it's right. it's very odd. It's very... And it's not like music. Music is tough, too, but I tell yeah. you, the creatives in music... Are the ones on the pedestal, right? You know, exactly. I mean, if, you're, in... if you can do what you're supposed to do, then you know you're going to be treated with respect. But in the fiber world, you feel like the artistics are the ones who are just a vehicle to sell some more yarn. Yeah. Often, often, and yeah. you know, it's not. I'm sure on the personal level, a lot of people do value us. Oh yeah. You know, they might say, "Well, I love oh no, your people work. are so kind." Like what you just said about my class, people mm-hmm. come to my classes over and over again, and that's. That's mm-hmm. the beauty part, yes. you know. That's the loving part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but I've met both kinds of students. I'm sure you have too. I have, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I like to think of it this way: if I have a student in class and we don't mesh, and it doesn't happen often, but it happens, I know that I am not the right teacher for everybody, mm-hmm. and I know that um, there are different ways of learning. You know, right, multiple right, intelligences. Right. right. And I try to cover them all in class, but I know that the way I teach can be, uh, it can be abrasive. You know, mm-hmm. it can be very strong. And, and I, mm-hmm. I get that. So I, I try to be very open in class. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every now and then it's, it's too much. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. what I do, I, I try to let people know, if you're really unhappy with the class, I'm happy to refund your money. Because I don't want anyone mm-hmm. to feel like, you know, when you take a class with someone, you're buying a pig and a poke. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money to put out there. I've never had anyone take me up on that, but <laughs> I think that's probably more pride or something. Yeah, you know. But it's it's um, it's a beautiful and lovely way to make a living, and it's mm-hmm. crazy hard. I love teaching. I do love teaching. I love I'm, it. I'm spoiled with the one-on-one voice. Exactly. There's nothing as great as that because that's really you have a bond, and I'm with those same kids for four years. Oh, that's Usually, wonderful. Usually, not always. So when the kids study with you, mm-hmm. and then they leave, do they like go off to Broadway right away, or? Oh no, no, no! It takes a long, hard road. They usually first do cruises, and then they do nice. Disney, yeah. and then you know. And then I lose touch with them, sadly. They all, you know, they all say, oh, Dora, I'll never forget you. You know, you were so mm-hmm. important. Of course, you know, they're 20 yes, when they say exactly, that. exactly, exactly. But I follow them on Facebook, and, you know, but they're very talented. I mean, it's a strong school. Mm-hmm. They get excellent singers. It's much more about, you know, New York. I mean, gosh. So when I was coming of age in New York, you could afford to live in New York. Yes. You know, yeah. you could you could scrap, scrape. I was waitressing and exactly. doing typing and yep. legal secretary, you know, whatever it took to get me through till I got that land of that gig. Me too, yep. And you could do it. Yes, yep. I'm sure you know. You remember. Where did you live in Manhattan? I, my favorite place where I lived was the Upper West Side. Yeah, I lived that's on where I lived. West 85th, right off of the park. Nice. And I had, my whole apartment was the size of this room. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy there. I loved it. I walked to work every day through the park. Nice. I, they were very, very happy moments. And then um, 
I left there, I went to Texas, then I came back, then I went to grad school in New Jersey. I went to Rutgers and got my graduate degree in costume and set design. Mm-hmm. And then I moved back to New York and I worked on Broadway for a bit, you know, as an assistant mm-hmm. costumer and stuff. And then I lived in Brooklyn, which I love. I like Brooklyn, too. I, I would move there in an instant, uh, but I have a rent-stabilized apartment, so I can't go anywhere. Where, where do you live on the Upper West Side? 77 in Columbus, oh, across that's from the fabulous. museum. Oh, my goodness. Couldn't that's the be best. a better location. It, Couldn't be a better location. One of my best friends in the world lives at 72nd West End Avenue. Yeah. And her father bought the apartment. He, she has, like, four sisters. And so for the five of them, he bought an apartment, like, in 1980. You know, sort of to be a pied a terre for each of the girls yeah. as they, and she just kind of ended up staying there, and you know, <laughs> never leaving. <laughs> you know, she's married now and has a daughter there, and she's she's such a lovely, wonderful person. Whenever I go back, I I love to visit her because I love the Upper West Side so much. It's changed a lot, though. I know. No more artists. No I know. More artists. My neighbors are all, you know, lawyers and doctors, and mm-hmm. actually, a lot of people move in with their young kids. And then, so we have a lot of babies in my building. Mm-hmm. But then, as soon as the kids are school age, they're out of there because they don't want to go to public schools. They don't want to pay for the private schools. So they right. move to Westchester. Exactly. So it's kind of, so it's lost. I mean, it's still beautiful. Yeah. And it's still great to be near the park and da 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 da. But it's not quite. So that's why I know my people are yeah. in Brooklyn. Yes. You know? Yeah. But yeah. I can't afford to leave. And, you know, it ain't and too Brooklyn bad. And Brooklyn is so expensive. Yeah, I oh, can walk to the Lincoln Center. Yeah. You know, I go to the opera, I walk home. It, it I can walk like to the Met perfect, Museum. Exactly. So I should, really should not complain. <laughs> I used to love, because uh, I, I would I would haunt Columbus Avenue. That was like my, yeah. my avenue. Yeah. Remember Alice Underground, that resale uh-huh. shop? That I yes. used to love that place so yes. much. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's there Me all too. the time. Well, there's a great, um, there's still a great thrift shop. Mm-hmm. It's not quite uh, funky, like, uh, yeah. you know. But um, most of, like, you know, my, this is all designer stuff that I get there. Oh, excellent. Oh, that's <laughs> are, fabulous. What's the big label on the... Anyway, I'm all about the no, label. tell me about the label. <laughs> I don't do labels because labels don't make... They don't make labels my size. <laughs> it's very rare that I get... Like, Eileen Fisher is about the only label. Yeah, right, which is beautiful stuff. I love Eileen Fisher yeah. very much. I, As a knit designer, I would like to design stuff as simple and beautiful as Eileen Fisher. Yes. But then I'm like, well, then why would you hand knit it? <laughs> you know, there's right, there's that right. part, too. It's but like, I do do a lot of very... A lot of my stuff is much simpler than the average yeah. crochet. Like, I'll show you what I'm working on now. Oh, I'd love to see. Oh, this is wrong side. Oh, that's very pretty. I love those little cables. Yeah, and actually it's just, it's not even, it's like a mock cable. You yeah. Know, there's no post stitches involved. It's just uh, crossing stitches. Oh, that's really beautiful. But I think it's going to be pretty. I think it's going to, that, so that's the yoke of a sweater? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Thank very nice. You. I just finished a, a couple pieces, so they turned into interweave. Mm-hmm. And I was um, really, really happy. One was like a, a, a side zip, you know, oh, jacket. Cool. And I, mm-hmm. I'm really happy with it. And then the other piece... Like, I knew I could visualize it. I knew what I wanted. I had it all drawn out. I did the gauge swatch. I did all that stuff. And I pretty much crocheted the entire thing. And I'm like, that lace is too tight. And I hated it. So I Couldn't re- you block it? No, I couldn't block oh. it out. I, I re-crocheted the whole, because the lace was in the body. And then the yoke was all, like, triple crochet. Uh-huh. And I, I just, I ended up re-crocheting the entire thing. Oh, my God. I know. It happens. I know. I, and I, I think I, for the first at least five years, everything I did, I had to done over yeah I didn't do a whole thing but right. I would get certified and I think you know Annie I think that kind of fussiness is why we make it though I, I agree you and really I also... have to have a vision and you have yes 
to be a good designer, you know? I think to last a little bit, you have to have a vision. Yeah. And I think you need to have the kind of perseverance. And it's funny, I'm, I'm not a perfectionist. And I, no, I don't, neither. I actually really don't like per, 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 Perfection. perfectionism. Yeah. Because I think... It's self-destructive. It is. And I think if you, if you find a perfectionist, you'll find a very ha unhappy family surrounding them. Because... I know where you speak because I see it in my students. I know. And, and it makes me so sad. cannot learn how to sing if you're a perfectionist. It makes me so you sad. You cannot learn how to do this. No, because you're too, you have, you're too you know, busy. We're worrying about the result. You have to enjoy the journey. And, yeah. and to, you know, we talked earlier, I think the people that have the hardest time in my classes are people who are perfectionists. Yeah. And they have a hard time with me saying... Just let it go and move on. Screw to the it up. Next thing. You yeah. got to. You will not learn unless you make a mistake. And I right. say the best two ways to learn something is one, make a mistake, and two, teach someone. Mm. Once you teach someone something, you really get it in your soul. And once right. you make a mistake, then you can own it. Mm -hmm. And there are people that really have a hard time with that. Which I, I'm no psychologist. I don't know where that comes mm -hmm. from. But I think I think perfectionist is just for fools. Perfectionism. But it's it's true, and it's it's so. Some little onion um, I, it's prevalent. It's like it is. It. You see it. Sorry, honey. I'm leaving the mic, but I have no. To... That's okay. I, you know, I think one reason perfectionism is so prevalent is because in society there are just so many like home decor shows or you know co competitions and stuff, and there's always some judge somewhere saying, "I'm looking for perfection." Oh, really? I I used to work for my, at Martha Stewart Living. And it would make me crazy because the way she would, um, I mean, not her would make me crazy, but the, in the TV show, generally, she would start a segment by saying, I'm going to show you the perfect way to oh, roast a right, turkey. Right, right. That's mm -hmm. like, there is no perfect way to roast a turkey. Right, right. There are many, right. many, many good many ways. ways. Yeah. yeah. But I kind of, I guess, what do I think of perfectionism? I've seen part of the, I think it's different in different people, but one of the things is... Um, they actually only have their mind on the result, and they don't enjoy the process. Exactly. And I think that's kind of almost a generational thing that I see with instant gratification kind of thing. If it's, you know, if I can't get it in two attempts, I don't want to try. And I'm like, you might be I think right. That's how you can become a fine, a world class singer. That's why I'm glad that I teach at a school where they have professional, you know, in on a professional track. Right. Not every all of my students, but ha at least yeah. have. So I can say that to them. I said, you think you're going to be make a success in theater and not it's going to be easy to no. master the singing thing? And, you know, they're talented. They yeah. got into the school because they're talented. They've been singing since they were in yeah. three. But sorry, that doesn't mean, you know. Yes. So then, you know, they have to learn that. And, and lo I think I like working with artists, with kids with that kind of drive. I, can, I agree. I can identify with that. I agree. My, I want my, that. my daughter went to a high school for performing arts, mm -hmm. you know, and, and she enjoyed it oh, quite a bit. Yeah. But her true love, you know, is, her true love is being out, so out, outdoors. So what's she going to do? She is studying, um, she's studying uh, uh, ec ecological studies and outdoor education. Nice. Right before Beautiful. she went to college, um, her last, because she would do these big canoe trips every year, and her last big canoe trip was... A fifty-two day trip up through the Canadian Arctic. She wow. and four four other women, five women, two canoes, fifty-two days. Awesome. Exactly. That that's what she loves. Mm -hmm. So that makes me happy because it makes yeah. her happy. Yeah. And the woman who led that trip, Becca, she's you know just a few years older than Andy, but she was you know 
that had led several of these trips. Becca actually works for me now. She's she's like the dyer that I hire. You know, so wow. when I need someone to come in and help me, I hire Becca. So is being in the yarn business a good thing? It's um, it is a good thing. It's a good thing because number one, it's really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Number two, in all honesty, that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have even uh, though it's so competitive and all. It's very competitive, and 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 that's true. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm in. I think I'm in a good position because I have a bit of a following already, a big following. and I have a lot of patterns that I own, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. part of the name of the game is to be able to have things that you can yarn support exactly mm-hmm. yarn support. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love what I do, and I can get published. And I can get published with my yarn, so that right. makes a big deal, that's a great. big difference. Mm-hmm. Our company is just two years old, two and yeah, a half years old. And we did a profit last year. We did, yeah, yeah which was unusual, mm-hmm. you know, because there's so much you have to buy that goes into getting a, the equipment. And the, I mean, we just bought a trailer, you know, all the stuff. But wow. even with all of that, we did a profit last That's year. Amazing. It's it's Great. good. So I think we're mm-hmm. just going to continue to do better and better. And I'll be very How many happy. Different yarns do you have? We have um, three basic yarns, which is uh, Superwash Merino. And then we have a merino and silk blend, which is mm. lovely. And then we also do a really nice linen. Mm. And All different weights? Or? Yeah, we do. We, with the linen, we just have two weights, sport weight and linen weight, and, and a lace weight. Mm-hmm. With the um, uh, silk blend, we have two weights, which is a DK and a, uh, a worsted. And then with the superwash merino, we have the most weights of that. We have a... A lace weight and fingering, a DK, a worsted, wow. and a bulky. So can I get some to play with? Yeah, I submit. You come down to the booth and you pick out whatever you want. Seriously. I've been noticing, like unlike early days, they will let me use the yarn I submitted. I know. I, I love that. I, I love, love it that. Too. And I, I don't. What do you think the reason? I think the reason is because it used to be hard and fast. When someone was advertising in a magazine, they would get an editorial. And that's so much. And anymore. that's not such a big big thing anymore. Which thank God for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I forgot to mention we also have a sock yarn, which is yeah, great for crochet. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm mostly a thinner so, yarn type yeah. person, but I would love to see it all because come on down. You know, please pick out whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really great in that because, you know, I'm sure you remember, like, you swatch something and you get the proposal accepted and yeah. then they send you yarn. It's like, this is not going to work. It's the worst. It's And I've the returned worst. you. I've said, no, really? do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, good for you because I never had the nerve to do that and I should have a few times. Yeah. I mean, this is why I'm glad I came into this business after a life of being... Yeah, well, musician. you knew how to say no. Exactly. I mean, it was you like, knew how to value yourself. It was Vogue, even. They sent me this yarn. It was way too thick. Yeah. And I was like, guys, you know, this is not going to look the way you think it's going to look. Yeah. And when I say it that way, yeah. they usually cooperate. And that's, I have that's done excellent. it even a couple of times with Interweave. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, know, I don't do it often. You no, know? no, no, no. But, you know, and I only do it if it's really like, Really not going to work, egregious. you know. Yeah. Like you know, this is just out of this. No, I've I've been so 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 lucky with the editors I've worked with, but for the most part, they they see the same vision I see, mm-hmm. and if they do suggest a different yarn than I've swatched with, it usually works out beautifully. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. a couple notable notable exceptions, exceptions <laughs> but uh, you know the, that's that's that what happens. The it happens yes, exactly, yes. and you have to make the advertisers happy. I've had uh, editors call me and say. We have to use this yarn company. What of their yarns can you use? Exactly, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I just go and pick out whatever yarn would be good for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
But, you know, it, it is what it is. It, the industry is always changing. I, yes. If you would have asked me 20 years ago, I would not have said it would still be as vibrant as it is now. Because in the 80s, it was very vibrant. Then it went through a real lull. Then it came back and it was vibrant again. Mm-hmm. And then it's just kind of continued. And I think a lot of that is the sock knitters. Yeah. And I'm hoping a lot of that. I think a lot of that also is people being willing to branch out and do crochet. Because it's so fulfilling and it's so sculptural. Well, there's definitely less of that super antique crochet. That's vibe. insane. That's gone away. People are nuts. That's gone yeah, away. That's crazy. And some people speculate that that was a Zimmerman thing. Really? So I've heard. Um, but it seems to be much less. And in, at Vogue Knitting, I get a lot of knitters in the class, in my class. That's wonderful. It is wonderful, but it's hard when you have to teach a whole room of people oh. something, even not so very advanced, right. but something, and they all don't know how to hold their tool and how to yes. wrap the yarn. I... And that's when you get into a thing where, and they're pretty demanding customers, these East Coast, New York yes. region, right? Yes. And you're like trying to, you know, I'm a voice teacher. I'm going to teach you. The, I can teach you the mechanics. I know how to break it down. Yeah. But you can't really teach the mechanics of crochet Not to in five different people. minutes exactly. while you're trying to teach something Do you else. ever have an assistant in those classes? Yeah, but I, I haven't. I have brought people a couple times. Maybe I need to start doing that again. Maybe I need it's, to start It's, you know, doing that I... At this point, I don't get beginning knitters in my class. I did mm-hmm. for a bit, but I've I've learned now to you know when when it says what type of knitter, I say advanced beginner. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and I and I love new knitters. I love them very much. But one new knitter can just it can stop a class at its mm-hmm. tracks mm-hmm. because you don't want that person to go home with nothing, but you mm-hmm. want everyone else to go home with something. Right. And that's one reason teaching crochet for me is so hard. Mm-hmm. And I have so much respect for you and Robin and. All of you who teach crochet, because I, I don't feel equipped to do that. I just mm-hmm. don't feel mm-hmm. like it's my gift, you know. Well, I think if you know how to crochet, you could. I mean, you're a good crocheter. I'm okay. I'm okay. I can <laughs> teach the things you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, you know, then they come to a class like I'm teaching a cables class, and I actually wrote to all my students before just to sort of. Uh, Heads up. Yeah, just I had actually some questions about how advanced they, what they knew, what they didn't know, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I get the impression that they're all they think that they're going to come and learn everything there is to know about cables, but I don't know everything there is. I know. I only know a few things. I the know. ones that I'm teaching, and I'm going to tell them that. I you know. know. <laughs> I know. I remember when I was. They think you know everything about everything. They do, and I. Which is wonderful, but it's not true. wonderful. <laughs> But I remember I hit the point, I've been teaching about three years, and I hit the point in the classroom, I was like, you know, there's so much I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. You know, saying it out loud, and it was yeah. so freeing. And yes, I had never yes, said that yes. before. I'd never yes. admitted it. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, that was a very good moment. Yeah, no, now I'm, I'm very clear about that right at the outset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so tomorrow, are you teaching tomorrow? I am. What are the classes you're teaching? Tomorrow I'm teaching Build Your Design Career, which is my most full nice. class. Really? Nice. Nice, yes. nice, nice. And in the afternoon, this cables class. And once those two are done, I'm going to be very relieved. <laughs> are they, like, the hardest Just, class? Yeah, the ca- cables is hard to do Yeah. and hard to teach. And yeah. I'm not that proficient. And, you know, but uh, so even coming up with, you know, I'm glad I'm teaching it because it's sort of a hurdle you have to get over. Right. But um, I, I'll tell you how I've, uh, you know, we were talking a minute ago about the, le- the levels, different levels in the yeah. class. I have gone accustomed to the fact that I know I'm going to have to teach two classes at the same time. Yes. And I have my materials ready for that. 
That's excellent. You know, and you can, you guys can keep doing Go this, ahead and, and do uh, this. we're going to work on that. Yes. You know? So hopefully it'll come. Yeah. So that's tomorrow. Then I'm teaching also some. Um, what else am I teaching? Um, class that I have that's called the Fundamentals of the Savvy Stitcher. A lot of oh. this is drawn from my most recent book. Tell us about your which book. Which is called the Crocheter's Skill Building Handbook. Nice. Is it Workshop? The Close Crazy? One of the two. And I'm now publishing with Story. Very nice. Love. They're lovely. And it's a beautiful book and it's very, you know, they were the ones who said, Let, do a te- let's do a reference book. Of, oh, you that's know, Something excellent. that's going to be on the shelves for a long time. Yes, yes, and yes, yes. I knew that I couldn't just do, you know, the same beginner book that is already out there over exactly. and over and very well done. Yes, yes. So I said, let me let me go to a whole other level with this. So I have a lot of the beginner stuff, but then I also have, you know, this whole chapter on um, on shaping. Oh. Shaping in pattern. Very that nice. That you've never seen in another book. No, so, it's something you, you just... You know, like should, ripples yeah. and all the crazy waves and all the crazy things. Yeah. How do you shape with those? Exactly. Because that's what I've been working on as a right. designer. Right. And then I do a separate thing on internal shaping, so you could do your raglans. Yes. So I invented a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, the principles were out there. Right, but, right, You know, how to make a stitch pattern increase gradually, that could be a challenge, you know? It can be a huge challenge. So there are chapters also on color work and on... on um, 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 dimensional stitches. Do you cover any of this in your Build Your Design Career class? No, or is that no, that's, that's strictly, um, you know, how to submit to magazines, self-publishing, you know, just right. all the options, what they need to know. As I've taught at class a lot. Yeah. And just people just don't have the faintest idea of where to begin and what yeah. skills they need. It's and true. You know, so... I'm here to tell you, you know, I only got to here because I've been a, what do you call it, a freelancer right. my whole life. Yeah. And I knew how to play that game. Well, you have to have self-promotion a lot of nerve, too. and chutzpah yeah. and, you know, yep. most of the books I've written, I didn't know the content of the, I had to learn while writing Ex- the book. Exactly. You exactly. Know? If you waited and only wrote books about what you knew about, <laughs> you wouldn't write too many. Yeah, right. <laughs> the mistakes Dora made in her life. Exactly. Right? I'm not a good enough writer to do that book. Other people could do those kind of books with oh that kind God. of talent. I don't have. Oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, but what's been cool about that? So that book came out at the very end of 2014. So um, I built a lot of classes around those books. That's a great idea. Yeah, it's such yeah. a great shaping. Is such an important thing. Yeah, yeah. Such an important thing. And nobody had done it before. You that know? astounds me. Yeah, that astounds yeah. me. I mean, there was little hints of it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I was also teaching for a few years. I I had. So when I got into this, the way I kind of furthered my career was um, by making my website, Crochet Insider, was a magazine. Right. And I used to publish it like four times a year. Right. And I didn't write everything in it. I had people write, you know. Yeah. And it was a huge endeavor. Yeah. But it was great because I would interview people. So I one of the first people I interviewed was, um, oh shoot, Vogue Girl, you know, who editor who was no longer able come to me. Yes. Adina. Adina. I Adina. interviewed Adina. Yeah. But anyway, I interviewed Adina, and she, you know, she liked my little crochet top, and she... So from that, right. I really opened a lot of doors. Right. So that, you know, you oh, know, I used to work at Vogue Knitting. You did? In the 80s, when Lola Ehrlich was the editor. Oh, so you have a long history with them. I do. Did you work when Teva was there? No, I did not. I did right. not. No, I knew Teva a long time ago, but I didn't. another gal, Valerie... Kusenik or something, she's a Buddhist. 
Yeah, some of the old timers. Yeah, Yeah, I just started around Adina's time. Yeah. That's when I was starting out. Right. So that was a great thing to have that uh, magazine and, you know, but then finally when my career was going more, I just didn't have time to do it anymore. Yeah. And that was a particular time on the internet when you could do that. People exactly. would read it, you know. Exactly. It's not like that anymore. It's a little overwhelming now, and it people are more interested in small bits and bites, I think, mm-hmm. than in articles and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I think you just stay true to yourself and you do what you do, and you hope that enough people like it that you can pay the mortgage. That's Pay the mortgage, That's no. my mantra. <laughs> I mean, I tried to get a mortgage, honey, and I couldn't. That's oh my how goodness. poor I am, yeah. New York is tough. Mm-hmm. New York is wonderful, and it's tough. Um... George Bernard Shaw, I'll paraphrase him, but he said something along the lines of um, um, a person's happiness or unhappiness is in direct proportion to how much or how little they have above or below what they really need. Mm -hmm. So if you're very rich, you're not very happy. If you're very poor, you're not very happy. If you have what you need, Mm -hmm. then you tend to be happier. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. my husband and I have based our whole lives on that, I think. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So what else are we covering in this? Talk? I think I just wanted tonight have a conversation, oh, and I will. Oh, nice. So tell me what your plans are with this blog. With this well, podcast. with the podcast, what it is is um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I don't listen to a lot of knitting podcasts. You've been listening to the Mode Knit Yarn podcast, and we hope you enjoyed it. The music in the show is Manchester Mystery by Brett Van Donsel, used with Creative Commons license. Sign up at iTunes to hear all of our podcasts, and you can visit our website at www.modenityarn.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter, all using Mode Knit Yarn. Copyright 2016.